Welcome to Backstage with Zadul. I'm your host Kishore from Zadul's very own marketing team and this is a podcast where we share eventful stories from thought leaders across industries to give you epic insights into the world of events and beyond. Hello everyone, it's awesome to be back here. Hope you're doing well. So we have something exciting lined up for you today because we're going to be diving deep into the art of designing feedback loops for B2B events. Now whether you're a seasoned event marketer or are just starting out, you probably already know that feedback is the lifeblood of any successful event, right? But then, depending on the type of event you're running, how do you create a feedback loop that truly captures the essence of your event, right? To answer that, we got someone who is an industry expert, uh, Alex Temple, who is a senior corporate relations manager at Explory. Now, Explory's expertise lies in measuring, comparing, and benchmarking customer experience metrics. So clearly, Alex is like the perfect guest for this topic. Sit back, enjoy, and there are some super gems in this conversation between him and Ketan Pandit, our head of marketing. So tune in and uh, enjoy and we hope you find this helpful. All right, we'll see you on the other side. What should one consider when they're designing feedback, right? What are the things to keep in mind? Um, I think if you strip it all the way back, the most one, the first thing that I would always kind of advise people to do when when they're thinking about their, their post-event feedback would be think about your objectives first. Why are you putting the event on, right? What's the purpose of mm. it? And what are you as the as the a planner or the organizer trying to help your attendees achieve, right? Because that should be the goal is that there, then you can start to look at, right, what are the metrics that are important to you? For instance, if you take a, um, like a corporate event, if it's an internal training event, then asking how likely you are to recommend, uh, sorry, how likely you are to return to that event is doesn't mean anything because it's a mandatory company event, right? That metric doesn't mean anything. But really what you want yeah. to understand is what, you know, whether people as a result of attending that event and that experience may feel more positively towards the company or the brand as a whole, right? That would be a great metric or, or something to, to put in your, put in the survey. So I think, the first thing would be to think about your objectives, design your questions around, right, how can we understand how people have met the objectives that we that we want them to meet, and then yeah. designing the survey from there and cutting out things that don't actually matter. You know, surveys are kind of, or feedback forms, historically have got a bit of a bad press and, you know, and they're generally treated in, uh, yeah, exactly, you know, you laugh, but it, it's true. And so they're generally treated as like tactical exercises for marketers to go, oh, well, 20, you know, 90% of people were satisfied or, you know, so-and-so many people said that it was a great event or whatever it might be, right? Whereas if you ask the right questions, as I was talking a minute ago about forward-looking metrics, you can, you know, it's such a rich data source and it can be so strategic for your business. So asking the right questions is, um, is, is really, really crucial and thinking about you know, what you're actually going to do with the answers. You know, don't ask a question that you don't either want the answer to or you don't, you're not going to use the answer to. So a, a lot of people will talk, will ask questions about 
um, you know, you know whether the Wi-Fi was good or whether the food was good. In some instances, yes, you know, it's you know it's important to ask those questions, but sometimes it's just not. You know, attendees don't. Yeah. You know, they're the things that people that you can't change, right? Ask questions about the ex parts of the experience that you, as the planner, can influence and make changes towards. That's that would be you know kind of uh, a must-have for, for me. Yeah. So uh, what I'm hearing is less is more one. Uh, you've got to tie everything back to the goals that you have for putting that event in the first place. And it's all right not to ask about every little detail. You, you've got to pick the, the top five, top six, whatever you number that you have. Yeah. And go off. It, it doesn't have to be like, you know, oh, I'm going to limit myself to five, you know, five questions around this or 10 questions around that, or even just limiting the survey to, you know, oh, no more than 20 questions because you'd be yeah. surprised how many questions people are willing to answer if they're engaged with the experience and they believe that their feedback actually matters. So, you know, in terms of actually delivery, the, um, deliver the survey as soon as, soon as you have delivered the event, you know, as, you know mm -hmm. after the event. And then also communicate your findings back to your audience because for me, you know, how many times have you been to, like you said, you went to an event, the survey was on paper, you never heard from them before. Even if you went back to yeah. that event, you'd have no belief or trust that your feedback actually mattered. And, you know, yes. experiences and events are designed or supposed to be designed for the people who, who are attending them, right? So they're part, of, you know, if you can help people engage with the feedback process, they feel like they're part of building that experience and building that event. And they're more likely to give you not just more feedback, but more honest feedback which is, you know, the organizer and the planner is going to be immensely valuable for you when you're trying to, you know, curate that experience year after year. So, yeah, there's a, yeah, a couple of different points there. Yeah. yeah. No, just, just double clicking on what you said about uh, figuring out what's important, right? Is there such a thing as an absolute must have on a survey question or does that completely depend on the goals of your event and the format? Um, is there an absolute must have? I think for us, I would say that always have a question around uh, satisfaction. So overall, how satisfied you know were you with the event? Um, net promoter score is a is a great metric. It can be a little bit of a red herring sometimes. So I would I would always use it as part of uh, you know a variety of metrics to use. Uh, don't just use that one by itself because. NPS is uh, a measure of advocacy, right? It's how likely you are to recommend the event. And how likely you are to recommend the event is not always indicative of how successful that event has been at meeting an attendee's objectives or the planner's objectives, right? So I'd always use it as part of a suite. So probably things like overall satisfaction, net promoter score. If you're a trade show using likelihood to return, so a loyalty question, if you're a corporate event, where it's more mandatory if it's internal, then using a metric like value for time can be really, really valuable uh, for you to, to yeah. use. Um, so yeah, those would be the ones that I would, I would probably look at the most. Yeah, and uh, so I used to work at a startup where uh, we had built a tool for measuring NPS, right? And the biggest problem, right. like you said, with measuring NPS is that just the score doesn't tell you anything, right? Um, so we started building an analytical model around the text that come, the comments that come along with the, that accompany the score, right? Which is actually where the meat of the matter is, right? 
um so we did find a lot of uh, value from that but i imagine for a larger event uh, where you've got tens of thousands of people like an imax for example running yeah. an im uh, running an nps plus with a comment section that's a huge undertaking how does somebody go about analyzing feedback like that um that's yes it's an interesting question um you know imax funny enough you know they you know one of the one of the events that that we work on and they you know they do a phenomenal job it's a it's a brilliant brilliant event and they take their feedback really really seriously um and i think the way that that they go about it is you know making sure that they're just taking the time to dig into the you know the scores if you just take mps for instance right you've got your detractors scoring 0 to 6 your passives in 7 and 8 and then you've got your promoters in 9 and 10 now just because somebody scores you know for for us you know perceptually scoring a 7 or an 8 out of 10 is actually a pretty high score but you kind of get cut out of the um you know the analysis i suppose or at least the overall score because the, the net promoter score is detractors minus uh, sorry uh, promoters minus detractors or the difference between the two so passives are kind of like you know supposedly they're sat on the fence so they don't make much of an impact yes. but they but not always that's not always the case um there are you know there's softwares out there that allow you to you to you know put in text and then they draw kind of um conclusions based on you know uh, language so it's the ai software that does that or machine learning software that kind of draws out themes especially so you know that's that's something that you could do if you've got a, a huge amount of um a huge amount of comments the other thing would be to actually dig into the score and see right do i have like a really high percentage of people who scored 6 right still class in the detractor but you know that's they're 5 points ahead of somebody who scored 1 right that's a that's a big yeah. difference figuring out right well maybe i just have a large group group of people who actually would consider themselves passives so let's have a look at people who scored 6 let's have a look at their comments and if we can bump them up next year into your 7s and 8s you know and your 7s and 8s into your 9s and 10s then all of a sudden you've got this massive swift swing upwards as as a positive mps score um but yeah i think that would be that's that's one of the things to to dig into and you you do just have to take the time um but it, like with all of these metrics it's important to have context right this is why mps is can be quite a, a red herring if you don't know what good and bad looks like because you know you might have your mps for an event might be minus 10 right minus typically you go oh well, that's not good uh, you know i'm in the negatives <laughs> but if the benchmark is minus 20 right and you're scoring minus 10 then that's that's amazing you're 10 points above the benchmark which is incredible but if the benchmark is plus 30 and you're minus 10 well okay now there's a big difference but that's true you know that's why and and the, and the other thing is because of the mathematics of of how mps is structured it can swing massively so you do see these events who will go from you know like a plus 20 to like a a plus 5 you know in a year just because you know a proportion of their audience has shifted from like 7 and 8 to 6 to 6 for instance um yeah. so yeah it can be really challenging but that's why i i said use it as part of a a suite of metrics that measure every aspect or different aspects of the event experience and then kind of bring those together so that you can actually look at it from a holistic viewpoint and and um should we look at uh, uh, incorporating feedback at uh, every stage of the event and by that i mean do we need to collect feedback at the pre event during event post event phase 
Um, I mean, it depends on what, probably, I, I would say not always, um, because if you're going to use feedback strategically, you need to get feedback from people once they have absorbed and been a part of the entire event experience. Right. Pre-event, nothing has happened. The data that you can collect pre-event would be around pre-registrations or you know things yeah. like that. But again, that only is indicative of like how many people are kind of visiting or due to visit um, come to the event. Then you know, do in event feedback. I mean, everybody for trade shows definitely. You know, salespeople will walk around the floor and chat to their clients, their exhibitors there, and you know, kind of get feedback on the floor, which is always a good way. You know, that's also a relationship building exercise, so people. You know, you get a little bit of FaceTime. But again, if you're gathering feedback at, at an event, whether it be a corporate event or whether it be a trade show, and, you know, if it's the if it's the morning of, or the afternoon of the first day, for instance, then somebody might have had a fantastic time at the end of day one. But by the time they finished day three, well, it wasn't that great. So it skews your view a little bit. Um, and that's the challenge with doing any kind of on-site research is that it's fantastic to get like an in-the-moment um, viewpoints of it, but people haven't had a chance to experience, to digest and absorb the entire experience. So their viewpoint on day one would be different from day three and maybe different from day four, which is when you would send out the survey if it's a three-day event. So, yeah, there are some complexities around doing, uh, you know, gathering fee specifically feedback at on-site an event gathering data at an event in terms of tracking data that's a different story because you know we had there's technology right. now to track you know where people go within the event and you can use that to enhance your you know your viewpoint and enhance your analysis because you can link it to your feedback data afterwards to see if let's say if, pe if certain people attended a certain session whether they were more than more or less satisfied than somebody who had attended a different session for instance now that's really that's really key insight right. But even still, right. that it's, it's still dependent on you delivering or gathering feedback post-event. So I think feedback, you know, pre and in event, not the most strategic, um, you know, asset to you. Post-event feedback is by far and above the most strategic asset you have um, for an event organizer or an event planner. Awesome. So I imagine this is where feedback, um, I mean, over feedback starts becoming uh, annoying as opposed to useful, right? So there is such a thing as too many questions or too many too much feedback or too, asking too much for too much feedback. Um, yeah, it goes back to what I said before. You know, don't ask questions that you don't want to know the answer to. Uh, like everything, you know, event planners and event organizers, we're in such a privileged position. We have so much data at our fingertips, and we've been it's yeah. a problem that we've been known in the industry. I imagine you know it. You know, we deal with data all the time. If you have too much data and you don't have a plan of how to use it, or it's just if, it, if it's not joined up, it ends up scrambled. Somebody looks at that and goes, there's no way I'm spending my time trying to touch that because it's just not worth it. And so, right. yes, feedback, you know, can feedback data, if collected inconsistently, especially across, I mean, if you take a corporate event, you know, team, that program, let's say you've got 500 events a year, if you're not collecting feedback consistently, i.e. you're not asking similar questions on the same scale, you know, if you're asking five-point scales here or four-point scales over there, you can't compare anything, and therefore the data just gets siloed, you know, in, right. in, in its own event, and it, it's useless, right? So in that vein, yes, too much can be a bad thing, 
Um, but it's only a bad thing if it's if you're collecting it inconsistently and you're not and you, you don't have a plan to use it. Um, so, but if you're using if you have like a proper framework for collecting feedback, you're, you're doing it consistently and you can control that consistency across all of the events that you're that you're planning or organizing. Then it doesn't matter how much you get. In fact, the more the better. From from a from a data perspective, the more feedback you get, the more robust your data set is. The deeper you can go on your analysis, the better the insight, and you know that insight ultimately is what's going to drive your strategy moving forward. Because you've got a robust data set to win those arguments, to make those decisions, defend those budgets, and and so on and so forth. So that's a really that's a really good thing. When it comes to asking questions, well, yes, if you ask a thousand questions on a survey you know, for, for a half day event, you're not going to get anybody to respond. So that, that's not good, right? But you know, be, be smart about how you ask your questions. Again, only ask questions that you want to know the answers to that are actually going to be useful for you. Um, so yeah, so yes and no, there, there is a point where it gets annoying, but over, overall, I'd say the more data that you have, the more feedback data you have, assuming it is collected correctly and consistently, will be, you know, it's your one of the best assets, uh, you know, in your arsenal for an event planner, for sure. Yeah, you you couldn't incentivize me enough to answer more than five questions. There's no way I'm <laughs> well, going. Yeah, well, incentives work. I mean, this is this is the thing, right? So there's an argument to say that incentivizing people on a survey can skew the results because people might just go click, 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 click. Oh, I just yeah. want my ten Amazon gift card, right? Well, yes, there is part of it that you know there is some science to suggest that, but in general, if you incentivize people, it does mean you get a better response rate. It means that people are going to complete the survey, so therefore it gives you more data, and more data, as we know, means you know a better, better level of insight for you to to use in your strategy. So um, I think it's just about choosing what is going to incentivize you, Ketan. I mean, maybe a ten pound Amazon gift card just isn't going to do it. So uh, I don't know what would you what would you want to be incentivized by? What would what would get you to answer a survey more than five questions? That's interesting. Maybe a higher denomination coupon or a, maybe a bottle of wine. That's that's always a good incentive. Yeah, there you go. I mean, and so anybody who's <laughs> running an event and you're their target market, you know, Ketan, this is this is you. We understand you very well. We know you don't want a ten pound gift card. We know you want you know a chance to win this fantastic bottle of wine, right? Okay, yes, that's going to get me. So that's a good incentive. You're right. So I think on the on the topic of incentives, planners and organisers know their audience way better than any other kind of research firm or any other kind of survey provider could ever do. We have, you know, for us, we have um, data to back up, you know, some suggestions we have, but you know your audience. So choose something, if you're going to incentivize them, choose something that you believe they're actually going to be incentivized by. So uh, how soon should people act on that uh, feedback? How soon does that feedback start losing value or does it ever lose value? Um, that's a that's a really good question. I think that yes, it the value will ultimately decrease the further away from the event it is. Right. So mm -hmm. feedback from an event in 2019 is not going to be as valuable as feedback tomorrow from this webinar, for instance. If you're looking that's at true. it proportionally, um, feedback once it has been 
implemented into your strategy. So you've had your post-show wash-up meeting, you've gone, this is how the event went, this is our feedback. You know, we'll, we'll mention the feedback loop in a, in a minute, but once we've actually implemented changes based off what our attendees said, so off the feedback, then you've kind of, you've squeezed as much as you can out of that, out of that data set. Now, the other, you know, the other side of the coin is, is that when tracking performance over time, so if you're looking at the metrics, not necessarily the open-ended part of the feedback questions, but if you're looking at your core metrics, so things like, uh, you know, overall satisfaction, net promoter score, value for time, loyalty, if you're looking at behavioral and uh, sentiment impact scores as well, um, things that can be directly measured over time, then arguably that those that data doesn't lose value it actually grows in value because if you're tracking it over time you might be able to uh, generate your own benchmarks internal benchmarks because you've got everything consistent but at the very least mm -hmm. you'll be able to track your performance over time so if you've got historic data let's say if you just pick one metric if you just pick net promoter score you can track that over time for let's say the last three years or last four years, let's say two years pre-pandemic, in pandemic, and then now, you've got a historic analysis so you can see where you came from before the pandemic kind of hit and changed events for forever, I think, arguably, um, to where you are now. That data from 2018, 2019, and beginning of 2020, that's going to be massively valuable for anybody who's running an event now because they can see where they were, they can see what happened in the middle, and then they can see where they are now. So... And that helps with telling the story of how of your events, of the success and how people's expectations have changed. You know, we've seen it with, um, you know, with, uh, with Net Promoter Score specifically for, for the Expo function, you know, for um, I think it was like plus 10 or plus 12 or something like that for attendee Net Promoter Score pre-pandemic. It then, you know, obviously trade shows didn't happen, so it plummeted. The response to the virtual events was horrendous. Um, for some and phenomenal for other, it was massively volatile, but then coming out of the other end of it, now it's coming back onto an even keel. So, you know, we're able to take that data and look at it over time. So when you're looking at that perspective, it probably increases in value um, when, you're, when you're looking at it, when you're looking at your scores and your performance over time. But then there is, you know, once you've used it, I suppose, in your, in your strategy, then most of it is then not redundant, but it becomes, you know, dead data, really. So I suppose the answer to that is yes and no. Yes, some questions like improvements will be um, redundant after you've used it in your strategy moving forward. And once the next event has run, well, you don't need to use that anymore. But your key metrics that you're tracking over time, you know, they can increase in value over time because it helps you tell the story, helps you know where you come from and, and also predict your, um, your future success. I can actually see a research report come out from just that answer. It's going to be a guide and, you know, we're going to bring out one. Yeah. Thank you for that. That's deep here. Um, uh, so for somebody starting off building a feedback and doing webinars, right, simple events, um, do you have any, uh, any rule of thumbs or any uh, advice of how they should think of building that feedback? Um, I think the, the simple answer uh, is just to start. You know, when you, you know, the, the, there's, a, there's a, a formula or a, a methodology called the feedback loop, right? And so that's mm -hmm. five stages. And most people do 
the first two stages, which are to uh, collect your data, which is simply running a survey anal and analyzing that data. So looking at it and seeing if you can draw any trends, right? Step three is to share your results internally with the business so that you can communicate how well that event is done or how well that event hasn't done. And then you need to make decisions. So step four is to decide on what you're going to do with that data. What are you going to do to change the event, to improve it based on the feedback that you have received? And then step five is to actually implement that. Actually, in the next edition of the event, make the changes mm -hmm. that have come out of the research and come out of the analysis you've done of your feedback. And so what we talk about in, uh, in research is closing that feedback loop, closing it from you know, one stage, one, two, three, four, five, and then repeating that process all over again. And so you end up with almost like a virtuous circle of, of feedback, right? You collect, you analyze, you share, you decide, you implement, and then you go around that, that loop again. Um, because once you do that, and you, you, know, you start off small, you don't have to you know, do it with every single event. If you've got 500 events, it's going to be hard to implement this process in one go. Yeah. Just start off with, with one edition of, of an event or one, one business line or one portfolio, whatever it might be. And yeah, that, that would be my advice is just to start and then focus on closing that loop. Because that loop. the other thing that we get asked quite a lot is, you know, what's the value of um, completing surveys? Do people complete surveys? And as I mentioned at the beginning, when people feel like they are part of building that experience they're going to give you better feedback they're going to give you more honest feedback and you're going to get more people giving you that feedback and the way right. to drive response rate and drive engagement with surveys and feedback is to complete that feedback loop once you have yeah. decided that you're going to make a change based on what your audience said tell your audience that that's what you're going to do don't hide from it say you said this so let's. So we're going to go and do that as a result of this, yeah. and then shout about the change that you make. Because when people turn up to an event and they realise, oh, hang on a minute, I have actually been listened to, then if something goes wrong or something or something goes right at the event, then they're going to want to share that with the person who put that event on, and it just it builds trust. So, yeah, that, that would be the the, the starting place. Uh, you know, that would be for me where where to start is. First of all, just to get going, start, start measuring. And as best you can, try and be consistent with at least your core questions so that you can track over time, regardless of kind of what, um, you know, what type of event it is. Um, always try and ask your key metrics. So, your, you know, things like your satisfaction, your net promoter score, your, you know, your value for time questions. If you try and ask, you know, three or four of those key metrics on every single survey in the same way and make sure that they're always on the survey, then that's going to give you a huge, hugely robust data set to start drawing kind of long-term strategic conclusions and actually start to evaluate the future health of, you know, your event assets and your event programs. So that, that's kind of long-term, but yeah, if you can, if you can just start with, you know, trying to close that feedback loop and being consistent in the way that you ask questions, then yeah, you're right. doing more more than a lot of the uh, uh, you know a lot of the industry at the moment.
and that was the show folks hope you enjoyed it to stay updated on upcoming episodes follow us on your favorite streaming platform also visit zadl.com to know how you can simplify your b2b events see ya